0: Welcome to Positively West Virginia, where each week we share positive stories about successful West
1: Virginia businesses making a difference in our great state. Positively West Virginia is brought to you by the State Journal, WV News, United Bank, MyLin,
0: and Interaction Media. Now let's get down to business with your host, Jim Matuga.
1: Hey West Virginia, are you ready to get down to business? Welcome to Positively West Virginia. Every week on our podcast, we interview West Virginia business leaders and share with you their positive business stories. We publish these stories on iTunes and Google Play on our podcast and through print publications like the State Journal and others around the state of West Virginia. Our goal is to help educate and inspire business people across the mountain state with these positive success stories. This week, we're going to learn about Krynick Manufacturing, a West Virginia manufacturing company with tons of success, and their founder, Doug Krynick. Doug, are you ready to get down to business?
0: I sure am, yes. Thanks, Jim.
1: All right, Doug. I'm so glad you're on our show this week to talk about your company. Doug Krynick is the owner of Krynick Manufacturing, located in Parkersburg, West Virginia. And, of course, that's in Wood County. Doug's company is all about thread Yes, yeah, that's right. Thread. It's a family-owned business that started in the early 1970s, and today, Kronic manufactures a variety of silk and metallic threads for needleworkers, crafters, scrapbookers, quilters, fiber artists, even fly fishermen. And you might be uh, surprised to know even fashion houses to uh, to they supply these threads to so that they can supply their uh, and, and really foster their creativity. Krynyx sells their thread all around the world, too, with uh, distributors in Russia, Ukraine, Netherlands, Australia, Japan, Canada, China, Korea, and even, yes, the United States. They work with craft companies, fly fishing manufacturers, and even costume uh, makers. An interesting fact that I learned is Krynyx threads are featured on many costumes in Game of Thrones, the wildly successful HBO series. How cool is that? That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Doug? Take a minute, fill in some gaps from that brief intro, and give us a little behind-the-curtain look into your personal life.
0: Well, uh, one of the things I'll mention is that the business was started by my mom uh, back in the uh, late, no, early 70s. My dad was working for a company down in Parkersburg here, and uh, they fired all the people 55 and over. This was before the age discrimination uh, laws kicked in. Uh, so my dad was trying to get a job and his boss, uh, his past boss was giving him problems. We didn't want him to work for anybody cause he knew too much. And so he couldn't get a job and they were driving around in Delaware looking for a job in, in the chemical industry. And, uh, my mom was doing needlework and it was all over the car. And he said to my mom, with all your background in couture design, cause she taught in four different universities around, around the East coast. Uh, with all your background in design, can't you come up with some way uh, of organizing your threads so they're not all over the car? So she took that as a challenge, came home, and created the first needlework organizer on the market. When he was going around looking for jobs, he would take that, and at that time, there were about 10,000 needlepoint stores around the US. And so that's how they got into business. And finally, after about nine months of looking for a job, he quit looking, and he went into business with my mom. Wow.
1: Great story, background. I'll and remember.
0: so, yeah, they did th- They did that for a while, and they picked up. My dad went on the road as a road salesman, and in 1978, they came in with a line of silk. 1979, my dad, who used to work for the Department of Navy, went back and his mind. He was in a museum in New York, and he saw a, um, a sampler, a stitched sampler um, that was from the 1600s. And he saw metal threads used in there. And he thought back about when he was working for the Navy department and he was using um, uh, a uh, type of material that was a a vacuum coated uh, metallic material uh, for uh, the Navy garb. But the Navy didn't like it because it didn't oxidize in seawater. So they canned that and he put that in the back of his mind and in 1979 popped around and said, wow. I'm going to look at this. So he cre- he created the first uh, metallics used on the market in the needlework industry and changed the whole market. So uh, they they at, at first they started with um, seven colors and three sizes, and um, today we have uh, and and my mom said that's enough. And well today we have uh, 260 colors and 14 different sizes of metallics, and we're sold all over the all over the country, except well, I often kid people by saying except Parkersburg. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Why is that?
0: Um, I don't know, but uh, I mean, we get we get uh, people coming in here from all over the country and Canada because uh, we have a uh, factory Or the um, the head of the uh, the CVB said to me, Doug, there are people who want to come and visit you, and you don't have anything to show them, so. He asked me to set up a little store, a company store. So we did that, and then um, he said, "Doug, you need to have uh, events." So we have had um, uh, we have once a year we have a, a factory outlet sale, tent sale, and uh, so down the road we're going to be setting up um, classes. And he uh, says, "Put heads in the bed."
1: That's awesome. Very cool. Very cool, Doug. If you could like sum up what what your company does, I mean that's a great story how you got started and everything. What you guys do? Sum it up in, in your thirty second elevator pitch. What What is Krynick all about?
0: Krynick is about uh, creating quality uh, yarns and thread for crafters, for interior designers, for uh, fly fishermen, for for anybody who wants quality in their Work where you know a lot of people uh, make things on their own, and it's better to have it's better to use uh, top materials. So when you give that if you give that thing away, to someone uh, they'll be proud of it, and people will enjoy it, and won't be something that they'll maybe hang on the wall when they see you coming in the door. Love it. So yeah. perfect. We we make things like that. We make we make things that feel good, uh, that people are proud of, um, that oops uh, that, um, uh, you know, that people are, um, wanting to, uh, show other people what they're doing.
1: Yeah. I love it. It's all about quality. I love it. Quality. That's it. Doug. So, you know, you guys been around since the 1970s, uh, you're doing great things, selling products all over the world. What's the one thing you're most excited about for your company right now?
0: Um, creating new products. Um, uh, and selling, selling all around the world. Uh, we recently opened up an account in Ukraine. And um, uh, that's been, you know, it's just fun because uh, people go out to our website and they look at it and want to find out more about it. It's uh, creating uh, new concepts for people. Um, often the larger companies uh, copy us. And um, so uh, it's a matter of trying to get our ideas out there uh, faster than our competition can copy us. <laughs> So it's, it's, So you mentioned. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned getting out. You know, getting your product sold in, in the Ukraine. What? Walk us through that. I mean, how did how did that
0: happen? Uh, actually, they found us. Um, uh, I I had gone over to uh, Ru- I've been over to Russia twice and given lectures over there, and um, so in a lot of countries, um, handiwork is very popular, and uh, our product is, is popular around the world. And so uh, this company that sells a lot of other products to uh, small stores to the Ukraine uh, were asked, you know, can you get Krynick? And so he contacted us and we said, wow, yeah, we're, we're happy to deal with you. So uh, they've been buying products from us. And we, we've been doing a lot of um, international uh, sales.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Doug. Uh, so f- your, your, your dad and mom basically started this company. Your mom and dad started this company, uh, and now you're the owner. Um, as a business owner, well, first of all, what, what year did that – when did you take over?
0: I came, I came in – the business started in um, 72. I came in in 83. Uh, my brother came into the business in 80 – about 85. We bought the business from my parents in 88, um, then I bought him out in about uh, 2008.
1: So 10 years ago, you've been the you've been the owner of this.
0: Right, I've been the owner of, of the
1: family. One of the things I love to do with our guests on the show is is to talk about your worst business moment. I think there's a lot to be learned uh, from a, a, your worst moment in, in, in business, right? And uh, I think it's advantageous for our listeners to be able to say, yeah, wow, you know, what was the outcome of that? How do you, how do you break through that experience? So if you could take us back to your worst business moment uh, and, and take us back to that time and, and, and fill us in on, on how that went.
0: I think the worst business moment was, um, in, in hiring people, you, you have, you take a lot of chances in hiring people. And the worst business moment was hiring a really bad person (laughs) who was, um, who was doing a lot of things behind my back. And, um, uh, I was starting to lose people. And, uh, this one woman, uh, quit and I was at a Christmas party and she called me up and said, I'm quitting. And she was like my... One of my top producers, and so I listened to her and I said, "Don't quit." And so I, um, the next the next morning, I went in and uh, and talked to the manager and fired her on the spot. And uh, after that, all my employees came to me and said, "Well, you might not have known this, but she was doing this, 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 and this." Well, why did you tell me? And they were all scared. They were, she had created an atmosphere of fear and division and dividing people up and causing them to want to leave. And, um, so, uh, you know, I, I stepped in and, um, took over and just communicated a lot with employees and, and fix things up. And, uh, you know, um, so I think when you have your own business, um, getting quality people is so essential. And, um, so, and we've, We've been, we went through another um, manager, and that didn't work out. And so uh, we now actually um, don't have a manager. And um, I have a lot of very um, uh, mature individuals who work here, and they know what's expected of them. And uh, we figured out ways that they could uh, uh, see what needs to be scheduled. And so um, and we, we actually just put a new scheduling system into effect uh 2 weeks ago and we're seeing lots of flow through and uh this will make our customers happier and makes me happier and cuz what we're seeing in a lot in the craft industry is a um is a little bit of growth right now um during during the recession we were going we were moving downward and um uh everybody was and uh so all of a sudden everybody's uh doing more things boomers are retiring and they're going back to doing things that they um, enjoy doing. And um, uh, uh, we have um, a, the age group of 30 and 40 year olds who want to make things for their kids. And we have um, uh, millennials who are starting to say, well, I really want to make things on my own. I want to make, I want to customize things. And so um, we're doing things with that, with that age group too. So it's kind of an exciting period to be in the, the craft industry and the textile industry, because a lot of people are wanting to do, to do, do things again.
1: Absolutely, Doug. What would you say is the best thing about doing business in West Virginia?
0: Um, well, you. Before we were talking, we were talking about positively West Virginia and the fact that you know we're number fifty in a lot of things. Well, it, we can only go up from this point. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh there's a there's a lot of things that can be uh, changed in the state to uh, make it a little bit more um uh, inviting for young people we're losing we're losing young people, but there are the cost of living in West Virginia is lower than a lot of other places. My daughter lives in l a and my gosh the cost of housing there is uh six times as high as it is here in West Virginia for a little space and and in West Virginia you can get a lot lot larger space and and so, um, most places are interested in having small businesses come in because small business is the base um, of of the an economy. And um, that when you have small businesses, it's health again. And it's been very hard for I think some some retail establishments with the large businesses like your your Walmart moving in and and things like that. Parkersburg is known as a is a uh, mainly um, a big and small box city. And so, you know, in some places it's harder, but you have places like uh, Lewisburg, Shepherdstown, Morgantown, uh, 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 Charleston, where you have a lot of small companies coming in. It's really, it makes it very exciting, and that's what young people want.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, I agree with you, with you on that, and I think you know one of the one of the, I mean I love when, when there's an announcement of a major corporation locating in West Virginia, but I think the backbone is still in the future of, of the state is small business. and that's one of the reasons we do this show is to shine the spotlight on companies like what you're doing with chronic manufacturing. Doug, I'm going to take a second and just mention some of our incredible sponsors, the State Journal, WVNews.com, Interaction Media, United Bank, and Mylan. It's support we receive from these organizations, monetarily, that allow us to highlight the incredible things happening throughout the great state of West Virginia. Just like with Chronic Manufacturing. All right, Doug, let's get back to it. Doug, what's what's the long-term vision for Chronic Manufacturing?
0: The um, long-term vision is to uh, keep creating, um, uh, keep giving, bringing out new ideas, um, new kits. Um, just to expand the market in um, uh, crafting and in fly fishing. Um, uh, Satisfy customers. It's a, you know a major thing. I, I,
1: I want. I really want to. I want to ex- expand on that on that point of fly fishing because obviously uh, West Virginia is an outdoor state. We uh, right. You know, I, I personally am a, a a fisherman, an angler. I love to bass fish and trout fish and do some fly fishing. But talk about your foray into the fly fishing world. What's, you know, tell our audience a little bit about how you got into that and, and how that's going.
0: Well, it was really kind of funny. It happened years ago. There was a, um, uh, fellow who fellow who's an entomologist down in, uh, Virginia and he was, uh, going to his house and he saw a piece of thread on the floor and picked it up, and made a fly out of that. And went to his wife and said, wow, where'd you get this stuff? And she said, get your own stash. <laughs> and so, uh, he called us up and, um, we, uh, we sent him a bunch of samples and he made a batch of flies and, and we went to uh, fishing shows and learned a lot, all about fishing and then things kind of quieted down. But over the last couple of years, um, we've been having a lot of interest because we sell to uh, fly fishing manufacturers and fly fishing shops and, uh, small and very small um, fly makers uh, around the world um, different, uh, weights of, of, uh, materials used in, in lots of different flies. Uh, like I tell people, my favorite fly is a musky fish and uh, people go, why a musky? I said, well, because muskies have sharp teeth and they, uh, shred the bait to smithereens <laughs> and they have to buy a new one.
1: <laughs> I love it. Uh, that's built in obsolescence right there.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. So I, I've, I, I've been fishing a couple of times and, I made a wooly booger. I was in um, Russia and I was talking about fly fishing there. And and I um, uh, the uh, the interpreter said, uh, "Oh, don't talk about fly fishing." And then her boss said, "No, talk about fly fishing." So i was talking about it. And I'm a I'm a kidder, so I said, "And uh, one thing you can make out of the materials we have are really nice wooly boogers." Well, of course, get an interpretation of wooly booger in Russian. So kind uh, <laughs> of my little you know little jab there. So it's fun.
1: That's great. That's great, Doug. Can you talk a little bit about? Um, you have a, a link on your website. It's C A K S Charity, and yeah, I just I wanted to hit on that because uh, I found it uh, very interesting, and uh, I wanted to talk about the C A K S shoelaces as well.
0: Yeah, um, uh, about three years ago, uh, my son took his life, and um, and he came to me in a in a dream days afterwards, and he said shoelaces dad. And so I didn't think much of it. And a friend of ours was over the house and um, dumped out, uh, she she had a basket and took fruit out and then tipped it over and out came a pair of shoelaces. And I went, whoa, this is really weird. And in our warehouse, my dad and I had purchased a shoelace machine 30 years before and couldn't use it, couldn't get the product to run properly on it. But basically, I didn't understand the type of product that could run on it. I, I figured out things later on. And so we pulled that out, cleaned it up, it took about three months to get it running. And uh, so we started making shoelaces. And so um, my wife and I set up a, um, a little foundation um, to take money's uh, profits from the shoelaces and put it into a fund uh, to um, support programs on grief counseling, suicide prevention, and drug addiction. And um, we've collected uh, different monies and, and uh, different organizations have um, purchased shoelaces so they can make money and um, uh, and schools buy uh, have purchased shoelaces from us so they can for their, their teams and all that. And um, so we, we now make shoelaces, eyeglass strings and lanyards um, and uh, anything that comes, a uh, pro- portion of the profits from, from uh, CAC, with CAC stands for. Charles Austin, chronic spirit. And um, money is to come into that, go towards sort program.
1: Well, thank you for sharing that. And I'm, I, my, my sympathies go out to you and your wife and everything. And uh, it's just, a, thank you. it's a horrible situation, but out of that came something positive. And I, I admire you for that. And, uh, and really thank you for doing that. It's so thank cool. You. I didn't realize the story, uh, but now that I do, it, it has much more impact. It's funny because um, just a little insight. I, I, I've been a, a sock guy for, for, you know, 15 years, I always have crazy socks, and mm-hmm. now everybody's kind of jumping on that. And so I started matching my shoelaces with my socks, you know. <laughs> so when I saw this, I'm like, oh, my gosh, look at these shoelaces. This is incredible. So I'm going to definitely have to place an order. And, uh, and it,
0: Well, I, I, I actually make shoelaces out of metallics, and the ones I like, we make out of, for dress shoes, we make silk shoelaces. And so in my dress shoes, I have silk shoelaces, and they all have metal tips on them, so they last quite a long time.
1: Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm de- we're going to have to talk offline. I'm going to have to okay. get,
0: involved, get
1: involved with that whole situation. That's, that's awesome. And, uh, I, I, again, I admire you, for, you guys for uh, turning a, a tragedy into something positive. Um, very good. Uh, Doug, what, what's one piece of advice you would give to people who are thinking about starting a company or maybe, you know, uh, listening to this and saying, wow, this is a, an inspirational story? How, you know, what's one piece of advice you would give to them to say, hey, you can do this or, or, or you know, whatnot?
0: Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm com- coming from a family business angle, and um, I, I thought about that question, and I came up with um, three essential rules for being in a family business and because a lot of small businesses are family businesses. Um, one of the, one of the rules is that it's, um, when, when a parent asks their kid or children to come into the business, that child should first go out and work for somebody else. I think that, um, to understand what's expected, how people are expected to work for managers, how people are expected to work for companies can better be learned by working someplace else, then bringing that experience into the business. Then if that, if that child becomes a manager in the business or the owner of the business, they, first of all, they know how to treat their employees mm-hmm. because they've had experience yeah. as an employee. Either that's positive really or
1: negative, right?
0: Positive or negative, I think that that's really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, rule number two, Is when you are a, um, when you are a parent bringing in your children, and this is really kind of controversial right here, don't bring in the spouses of the child, because if you have multiple children in the business and their spouses, there is always, most of the time, there's friction. And, um, uh, and it's just a, it's just a rule that, that I, I've learned over the years. Um, having gone through all these things at one time, there were six members of my family in the business and it was, it was pretty harrowing at sometimes. Um, and, uh, and then the third one is, uh, let me see. Um, if you, and this is really, really weird. Um, uh, if you are, have a small business and want to open up a second office, Uh, somewhere, that's kind of tough, depending upon how big you are. And oftentimes there's a loss of communication in dividing up a small business into two parts. Um, And like I said, I've been through all these things. Uh, My brother uh, wanted to, my brother moved into the state and he wanted to move to another state. And so we set up an office in a second state. And there was lost communications and um, uh, it was, and more expensive. So, um, you know, before you do things like that, you want to really study it really hard because um, it's, it's real, real expensive.
1: Yep. Great advice. Three, three key takeaways from this and uh, great stuff. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. Doug, what's one thing you do every day that you think contributes to your success?
0: One, I, um, I communicate with everybody in the plan. I walk down and say good morning to them. And, um, uh, um, like on national, uh, donut day, I brought them cookies. <laughs> <laughs> um, food does wonders. No, but, um, uh, I, I want to find out what everybody's doing and, uh, see if they have any questions and, um, because, uh, just
1: being available.
0: Right? Yeah, I want, I want to be available and just, you know, know what's going on. And um, lately I, I share things with uh, different people in the plant um, because if, if something say, would happen to me or I'm on vacation, people would know what to do. And that's it's important. That's all part of communication. And the other, the other thing I like doing is just coming up with new things.
1: Love it. It's fun. Love it. Being creative. You're in a creative business and I love that.
0: Right. I one time talk, was talking to, um, one of the heads of, uh, the um, development department, of West Virginia. And he said, uh, Doug, what, what, what is missing in the state? Is, is it that the, that there's too much Chinese, uh, product out there, that there's too much competition and it's what could be improved? And I said, well, the teaching of creativity, I, I think that's what we're lacking. And it affects a lot of businesses out there. If you, don't have a, if you don't have a creative class, you you don't have new ideas. And with new ideas, it, it makes it stagnant. And um, you have to always have new ideas. I, I come from a family where it's just new ideas all the time. And um, I thought that everybody came from a family um, where their parents were inventors because my parents were inventors. <laughs> and then I got out into the real world and said, oh, wow, you know. Uh, my daughter is, uh, works in, in Hollywood and she works in, in television and she's, she, her title is being a creative and uh, she creates TV shows. And uh, so that's, that's exciting. The whole family's that way.
1: Very cool. Doug, what's one resource in your business that you use that you just can't live without?
0: Well, um, actually, I, um, my background's in computers. And um, when I came here, uh, it took a while to convince my mom to computerize, but we computerized. And, and over the years, uh, um, one of my most favorite essential tools is Excel. <laughs> um, I use that to, uh, for, for instance, for inventory. Uh, my brother used to take in care of inventory, and it used to take him like three months to do the end-of-the-year inventory. Um, he one time got set up and said, you take care of it. So I looked at it and, and looked at, well, what changes, what doesn't change. So uh, knowing from my background in computers that uh, about 80%, 90% of things don't change every year, just maybe prices. So that I was re- able to create with um, Excel a um, uh, an inventory um, program so that I could uh, do inventory. Instead of three months, I shut, cut it down to two weeks.
1: Awesome. Doug, what's one book you would recommend for aspiring entrepreneurs?
0: Favorite, favorite, favorite book? The Goal by uh, Eliyahu Goldrat.
1: Yeah, not, I've never heard of it.
0: Um, it's about probably 25 years old, but it's a great book. Oh, it's a fantastic book. It just talks about how to schedule production. And after reading that, it just gave me so many ideas on how to schedule my production. That, uh, it, it really helped.
1: That's great. And we'll have a link to that in the show notes. People can actually click on the link and, okay. and it'll take them right to Amazon. Great. They could buy it if, they, if they'd like to check that out. I'm going to do the same. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Doug, one one question I like to ask is if if there's somebody in West Virginia that you would like to meet um, who could positively change your business, maybe help you in some way, who would that be?
0: You know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, I thought i thought about this. I talked with my friends. I said, you know, who who would you want to meet? And um, I've met a lot of people. I, yeah, I, I know a lot of people. Um, and uh, uh, I, you know, from government people, from um, people, uh, kind of my own boat. And so um, it's, it's really, you know, really hard to say. I, you know, I, I think about the only person I'd want to meet would be uh, Jennifer Gardner. And simply because I'd want to introduce you to my daughter, who has a lot of ideas in, in Hollywood about different TV shows. Perfect. Yeah, right. Exactly. Networking.
1: <laughs> it's all about networking, man. It's all about networking. That's great. That's great. Uh, Doug, in closing, how, how can our listeners learn more about you and your company?
0: Well, we have our website at Uh We're on... Spell that for us. Uh, K-R-E-I-N... I K and we have a um, list of stores out there where people can shop. Uh, we have, um, uh, we've got about 150 YouTube videos. Uh, we're on, um, uh, Instagram. Uh, we're on, um, Twitter. We're on, um, uh, Facebook. We're on all the, all the social medias. Uh, we get comments from all over the world, uh, people coming in and talking to us. Uh, we show off, um, uh, things that people are doing. One of the organizations that I'm involved with right now is the um, school of uh, New York and design in San Francisco. And um, we sent to them a uh, 600 samples of our product. And now, and they're having this contest. And so far 300 people have entered the contest and they said it's above their expectations. And um, they're creating, they're creating something out of what we sent. And then uh, it's going to be shown at a um, some facility in the San Francisco area. So I'm pretty excited about that.
1: That's very cool. Doug, you're awesome. Your Thank company you. has been around for a long time. You guys are doing some really cool stuff. And you're continuing to in- innovate and create amazing, cool ideas. Well, folks, that's a wrap on another episode of Positively West Virginia. Positively West Virginia is brought to you by the State Journal, wvnews.com. InterAction Media, United Bank, and Milan. As we continue on our journey to help share positive stories of companies and people, business leaders, doing amazing things all across the mountain stake, just like Doug Krynick and Krynick Manufacturing in Parkersburg, our hope is that in some way, we inspire and educate you by sharing these wonderful success stories in West Virginia. If you or someone you know of would be a great guest on the show, drop us a line on, on our website, PositivelyWV.com. We appreciate all of your comments and encouragement. We're getting tons of feedback on the show, and we're just really appreciative of that. And of course, we encourage you to share these stories too on your social, social media channels like Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. On behalf of our entire Positively West Virginia team, until next time, I'm your host,
0: Jim Matuga.